wonderful song. Today's reading will be in Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. And I'm going to tell you to keep your finger there because this is where I'll be preaching from today. Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 to 9. Now, the setting here is Paul is in a Roman prison. And there's probably rats scurrying around in this prison and he's in, the, he's in there. Most Roman prisons of this time were consisted of a hole dug into a ground, a, a large hole dug into the ground, but, but most of the floor was still there and there was just a hole there where they would lower things down to them and raise them up. And they'd be in darkness. Some of them be in darkness. Now, they also had cells too as well. We know from the Philippian jailer. But this is the setting. He's a, this is a prison epistle that he's writing here. So, And he writes these words here in verse, verses 1 to 9 of chapter 4. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech thee, your dice, and beseech Synthachi, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers. Look at this, whose names are written, whose names are in the book of life. Look at that. God's people's names are in the book of life from before the foundation of the world too. Not what he writes. He's in prison. Look at this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. And let's let your gentleness be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And what that means there, be careful, is don't be anxious. Be, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And that's think there is just meditate. Just means think about it during the day, meditate upon it through the week. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful words. Heavenly Father, again we thank you for allowing us to gather together. Oh, I pray. I pray that you give me an unction from on high again. Fill me with thy Holy Spirit to boldly proclaim thy gospel, Lord. And that you give hearing ears and seeing eyes to look and see to Christ for all who will hear this message, Lord. We pray that if there's anyone here that does not know you or anyone who does not know you as the message goes forth, oh, Lord, oh, that you'd save them. Oh, that you'd give them seeing eyes and 
in hearing ears to understand the wonderful truths. Reveal yourself to them, we pray, if it be your will. And we'll give you all the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Our text for today will be in verse 8 of what I just read there in Philippians chapter 4. And we'll read that verse again. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, or of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, during the week, during the week and and in many times, we often think on different things, don't we? We think about things that are good, and sometimes we think about things that aren't good. We have all kinds of thoughts go through our minds during the day. And we can be consumed by certain thoughts, can't we? We can be consumed by a topic and just continue to think about it and, and continue to worry about it or continue to get anxious about it. And it can consume our whole day. It can even cause us to lose sleep sometimes as we think about these things. My mom was a worrier. She, I call her up and I say, Hi, Mom, how you doing? Well, I'm so worried about this and I'm so worried about that and I've been thinking about you and that. I said, well, that thing's all taken care of. What are you worrying about? It? It's gone. <laughs> but she'd stay up at night thinking about some things and I'd always tell her, Mom, don't, don't worry about things. You don't have to stress out about things so much that way. But that was just how she was. And we all, again, how many, how many thoughts do we have in the daytime? Through a whole day. It's incredible to think. And, and from a wide variety of things, too. And Paul here is telling us, he's telling us to think upon things that are true and things that are honest and things that are just and things that are pure, and things that are lovely, things of a good report, and if there be any virtue in these things, think upon them. I'd like us to look at this verse today in light of the gospel. In light of the gospel. And remember again the situation. Here Paul, he's in prison. He's in a Roman prison. They're nothing like the prisons today. Nothing at all. When they were thrown in them pits I was telling you about, there was no light in those. Now, some cells had light, but those ones that they threw them in there when it was just a hole in the ground and they had carved out a, a cell in, under the ground for people, those were horrendous. So here's Paul in a prison, a Roman prison. Again, we don't know if he's in a jail cell or if he's in one of those those pits. But he's writing these words that we just wrote. Rejoice. Rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Now, do you think he got down a little bit? Yeah, he probably did, like, like we humans would. But he's reminding himself, what's he doing? When you look at these words, this is the amazing thing. 
And I've noticed this in Paul's writings. He's always pointing us to Christ. He's always bringing us back to Christ. And that's what I'd like to look at these verse, this verse in light of, in light of our Lord. Again, we often think upon things, and they can bring us great worry and stress. But you know what? We can't change them. Sometimes things that we worry about, we can't even change. My. And, and Paul wrote this, Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. And he was talking about, Paul was writing Timothy about, about meditating upon the things of God. Let us take note today of eight words that describe the gospel in our present text. And I think, well, how do you preach the gospel of this? Well, let's, let's look at this. Let's read uh, verse 8 again. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think upon these things. Well, true. Whatsoever things are true. What's unquestionably true? The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is unquestionably true. It's God's gospel. It's sent by God. God's preachers who preach the gospel are sent by God to preach that gospel, the one true gospel of salvation in and through Christ and him alone. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 3. Do you know what the gospel declares? Well, in the word of the gospel, we have the truth declared about sin. And we see here in Romans chapter 3, verses 9 to 23, again written by Paul, who's currently writing to us in Philippians, writing to the Philippian church, but now here we are 2,000 years later, rejoicing in the truth of what he wrote by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Look what he writes here in Romans chapter 3, verses 9 to 23. What then? Are we better than they? No, and no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they're all under sin. Look at that. We're all sinners. Whether we be Jew or Gentile, we're all sinners. As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. Now that text means what it says. No one is righteous in the sight of God. No one. No one at all. In our natural state, there's no one who's righteous. And then look at this. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeks after God. No one seeks God in their natural state. We did not seek God in our natural state. They are all gone out of the way. They are altogether become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. My, what an indictment upon the human race. This, their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poisons of asses upon their lips, whose mouth is, is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. In the way of peace, they've not known. 
There's no fear of God before their eyes. That's the state of man now, right? That's the state of man has been that way since the beginning. When Adam fell, this is, this is what we were plunged into. Now we know that whatsoever things the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every man may be stopped, and that the, all the world might become guilty before God. Do you see that? People who even don't think they're guilty before God are guilty before God. And this is, this is the truth, right? This word is the truth. Again, this is not my opinion. This is what the word says. You and I are reading it together. And this is what it says. That all are guilty before God. There, and look at this. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall be no flesh justified in his sight. No, no flesh, man, woman, or child, shall be justified before God by anything we do. That's so clear, isn't it? And yet there's, there's so many false religions out there that, that billions of people are following, trying to justify themselves by something they do. And the Bible so clearly states, so clearly states that no flesh, but, but, and this is talking about the deeds of the law given to the Israelites, the Ten Commandments, including all the Mosaic law. No flesh shall be justified in this sight. For by the laws and knowledge of sin, it, it shows us that we're sinners. Because we can't fulfill the law. But who fulfilled the law in our place as believers? Christ did. Oh, isn't that wonderful? That's wonderful news, isn't it? That's, that's the best news we're going to hear. Wonderful. My. See, you, you read this, that first part, and man, if, if the Lord left us there, we'd be in despair, wouldn't we? Look at the next verses. Verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. And, and Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Look at this. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there's no difference. There's neither Jew nor Gentile in the body of Christ. We're one in Christ. We're one. Nationalities cease to exist in Christ. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. That which man is trying to achieve in the world is in Christ. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Diversity in Christ, right? In the body of Christ. It's absolutely amazing. It's, it's beautiful. My, oh my. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there's no difference. There's no difference between Jew or Gentile. And Gentile covers all of us outside of the Israelite nation. It's wonderful. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then the gospel declares the truth about salvation. In 2 Timothy 1.9 it says about Christ who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Salvation's only in Christ. And then Acts 4.12, a verse which we all know, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name, uh, excuse me, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name. 
Salvation's in Christ and Him alone. There's no one, no one, no one else. No salvation in anything man does. No salvation in anyone but Christ. Why? And then it declares the truth about God's Christ. It says, but let's look at Romans 4 there again. It says, uh, God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, thou, thou mightest be justified in thy sins, and thou mightest overcome when thou art judged. Salvation's only in Christ. Isaiah, Scripture declares, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Salvation's only in and through God. God the Son, who became a man and died for you and I. My. And our Lord said it's the truth that sets sinners free. In John 8.32 it says, And ye shall know the truth. Think of that. Ye shall know the truth. We didn't know it before, did we? Before we were saved, we didn't know it. Tom, you and I have talked about that. We had no clue. We didn't know the truth. The truth shall set you free. It says this again. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Oh my, isn't that wonderful? Free. Not yoked up in bondage. Free in Christ. Free. Free from the penalty of our sins. Free from the power of our sins. Even though we're still sinners, we're not, we're not slaves to it like we used to be. Free. If the Son shall make you free, you'll be free indeed. Free, beloved. Ransomed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Purchased by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go back to our text again. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest. Honest. You know, the gospel of Christ is indisputably honest. It's honorable. It's truth. It's truth. And when God justifies a sinner through the blood atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ, my, oh, my, they are, they are saved. Herein is love, not that we loved our God, love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. That's truth. That's honest. God sent his son to be a propitiation for the sins of his people. To be, to be the sacrifice for our sins. That's truth. That's honest. God does not lie. My, it's wonderful. And you know, he justifies the ungodly in, in his described way that honors his holy law and, and satisfies his righteous judgment. In Isaiah 42, 21, it says, The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. What did Christ do in our place? He magnified the law. He did that which we could never do. He made it honorable, beloved. Turn, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Whatsoever things are honest. Oh, the gospel's honest, isn't it? It tells us the truth about who we are, and it tells us the truth about salvation, that it's only in Christ and him alone. Look at verses 18 to 20 of 1 Peter chapter 1. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, 
as silver and gold. Money can't buy salvation. You could be the richest man in the world that can't buy your salvation. You know what purchased our salvation? The blood of Christ. The giving of his life. He purchased us. And remember, it's a perfect work, complete, perfect work. Nothing can be added to it. It's done by the perfect man. My. So silver and gold can't buy it. Not at all. And then look at this, from the vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers. Church tradition can't, can't save us. Not at all. Some people say, well, I belong to a certain church. That can't save you. God's people are the church. The church is not the building. The church is the called out ones. The ecclesia in the Greek. The called out assembly. That's us. That's us. If we didn't have this building, we could still gather together somewhere in worship. Because... It's we who are the body of Christ. My, there's no salvation in the church, and, and every one of us who's in the body of Christ would proclaim, salvation's of the Lord. <laughs> he saved me. He saved me by his mercy and his grace. But look at this. Now he hits, Peter brings forth what purchased us, but with the precious blood of Christ, the blood of the God-man. The blood of God incarnate in the flesh. We know scripture says the life of the flesh is in the blood. So when his blood was spilt, when it was shed for us, right? That's what purchased our souls, beloved. Because it wasn't the blood of an ordinary man, was it? It was the blood of God. You know, and remember in Acts it says God purchased us. We're, we're purchased with the blood of God. That's That's Christ. He's the second person of the Trinity. He's the word of God incarnate. And his blood purchased our eternal souls. That's how he obtained salvation for us, by the shedding of his precious, precious blood. And you can't put any value on his blood, can you? It's priceless. And every believer will say that because we say he saved me. It's priceless to me. That blood's priceless. My but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb, look at this, without blemish and without spot. Perfect. No sin. He offers himself up as the perfect Passover lamb for the sins of all his people. A number that no man can number. See, even then, how much more precious is the blood of Christ if he's redeemed a people that you can't even number? My. That's amazing. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The sinless, spotless sacrifice. Look at this. Look at verse 20. Now look at this. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. All this salvation was planned and purposed by God before the foundation of the world, and we were included in it. Christ was ordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times, each believer can say, for me. That's what Paul's writing to Christians, right? 
says, for you. Christ came into this world to save us from our sins. He was manifest in the flesh to save us from our sins. Hallelujah. (laughs) That's wonderful news, isn't it? That's good news. Let's look at our text again. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are just, You know, the gospel of Christ is undeniably just or righteous. My. Here's a question. Question of of all the ages, really. How can God be just and justify the ungodly? How? How can God be a a just God and uphold his law? Right? So the soul that sinneth, it must die. We should die, right? How can God be just, be a just God and show mercy and yet justify his law? Well, none of us can do it, right? Not one of us can can justify God by anything we do. Turn back to Romans chapter 3 again, if you would. The only answer found with to this question is how can God be just and justify the ungodly? The only answer is found in the gospel, beloved. That's where the only answer is found for that question. Look at this. And, and you know, scripture says, at the cross, mercy and truth kissed each other. Psalm 85 verse 10 says, mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. At the cross, the righteousness of the God-man and the peace with God for us. My, mercy and truth meant there. Men at the cross. Look at this. This is so true, but the only answer for how can God be just and justify the ungodly is found right here in Romans chapter 3, verses 24 and 26. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And we just saw that it was his precious blood that purchased us, right? And that's only Christ's blood that did that. Being justified freely by his grace. God is pleased to justify us in Christ. Why? Because it pleased him to do so. No other reason. Nothing in us. He's just pleased to justify us in Christ. That's incredible. How did it happen? Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Through through Christ shedding his blood on Calvary's cross to redeem our eternal souls. And then look at this. Whom God set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. He's our propitiation. My, oh my. He's our Passover lamb. He's the one who's extinguished the wrath of God against us. How? Well, through faith in his blood. We trust in what he did, don't we? By God-given faith, we trust that Christ's blood was shed to to redeem my soul, to redeem your soul. We trust in that. We take God at his word, don't we? We believe what the word says. So many people out in religion say they believe the word, but when you present them with truth, they say, I don't believe that. Well, you don't believe God's word then. 
That's, that's, that's what it amounts to. But Norm and I were talking last week, and Norm said, God's people believe the word of God. We believe what it says. Again, as we've talked about, Tom, by, by divine revelation, by, by God giving us faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because otherwise, we'd, just be, we'd still be dead in trespasses and sins. We'd still be wandering around, groping in the darkness. If he hadn't revealed the gospel to us, if he hadn't revealed Christ to us, I know I'd still be out doing whatever I was doing before. And I wouldn't even have a clue that it was wrong. Because you know what? We didn't think it was wrong, did we? We thought our ways were right. Well, if I'm a good person, if I don't do this, if I don't do that. Meanwhile, salvation's in Christ and him alone. It's nowhere else. It's not in any of our doings. It's only in what he's done. And it says here, Look at this. To declare his righteousness. The gospel declares the righteousness of God. Declares him to be holy and just. And Oh my. For the, for the remission of sins that are past. Through the forbearance of God. God is so long-suffering with us. He's so long-suffering. So long-suffering with us. And then look at this in verse 26. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So Christ fulfills the law in our place, and so God's, a, God, a, he's a just God, isn't he? Because he's not just letting us, he's not just saying, well, you guys are all forgiven. He's only saying we're forgiven because of what Christ did. So his law is still upheld. He's still a just God. Just that what was due us fell on Christ. My, what a savior. He came here knowing he must die. Knowing he must suffer the wrath of God in our room and place. And he did it willingly. Remember on, on the road to, to being crucified, he said, weep not for me to those ladies of Jerusalem. Weep not for me. Weep for yourselves. Because he's on a mission. He's like a soldier. He's the captain of our salvation. He's, he's got, I'm going there and I'm going to finish that work. Right? He set his face like a flint to Jerusalem. He knew he must, must accomplish that which he was sent for. Otherwise, we could never be saved. Well, praise God. He didn't fail, did he? Cried, it's finished. It's perfect. It's complete. <laughs> It's completed to perfection. <laughs> oh my, that's, that's wonderful, wonderful news. Look at this, to declare I say it at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Let's look at our text again. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, pure. Well, the gospel of Christ is pure, isn't it? It's pure. And think of this. Nothing but the blood of Christ can cleanse us from our sins. Nothing else. Turn, if you would, to 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. And I'll read verse 7 of Ephesians. It says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. My, oh my. My. Look at this in 1 John. It says, But if we walk in the light as he is in light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, 
cleanses us from what? All sin. That's good news for sinners, isn't it? All sin. Not one left behind. All means all. Past, present, and future. Oh, that's good news. That's good news for a weary soul. And you know, it's Christ alone who purged us from our sins. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 1. Christ alone purged us from our sins. We had nothing to do with it. Remember that thief dying on the cross? He had nothing to do with his salvation. He's dying there. He's hanging on the cross. He's, he's at the late, last part of his life. He can't, he can't be baptized. He can't, he can't do anything, can he? Nothing. What does he do? He says, he says uh, just remember me. In Christ, in his weakest point, his weakest point of his humanity, Nailed to a cross, dying. Says, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. My. Look at this. You talk about pure. Look at this. Hebrews 1.3. Talking about how Christ purged us from all our sin. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. This is speaking of Christ as God. And upholding all things by the word of his power. He's not a, he's not a mere man. He's God in the flesh. And and he's upholding all things by the word of his power. Whatsoever things are... are, Oh, I'm sorry. I I jumped to the the text. Upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself... Look at that. No one helped him. He didn't ask for counsel. He didn't need our assistance. He didn't need anyone. He didn't call angels down, which he could have called a legion of angels. 6,000 angels. He could have wiped out the whole earth. Didn't do it. Salvation is accomplished by himself, by Christ, by himself. What did he do? Purged our sins. Gone. So far gone that God says, I don't remember them anymore. I don't remember your sins anymore, he says, of his people. They are so so far purged, so far covered, so far paid for, that our great God says, I don't remember your sins. You did what? Bought and paid for. You ever done that when someone, someone does something to you and you forgive them and then afterwards they say something and you say, what are you talking about? Vicki and I have a thing when we say we forgive each other that it doesn't get bought up again. But every once in a while we each, you know, oh, I'm sorry, you know, and each of us go, what are you talking about? We already dealt with that. It's awesome. It's a great way thing to have in your marriage because you, you just let things go. It's so wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. My, he's finished it. So if he's purged our sin, what did he do? Then he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. That's where he is right now. He's seated at the right hand of the Father right now. Ruling in power, beloved. Reigning over all things. That's our God. That's our Savior. He's finished it all. There's nothing left to be done. Let's look at our text again. It says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely. 
Well, I'll tell you what. There's no one as lovely as the Lord Jesus Christ. No one. To the believer, there's no one as lovely as him. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. <laughs> He's my everything. And the gospel of Christ is, is, is lovely, isn't it? For the believer. My. To you who believe, to believe... On, who, to you who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he's precious. He's precious. He's lovely. And Christ is the gospel, isn't he? Scripture declares this in 1 Peter 2, 7. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he's precious. But unto them which are disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. My. The gospel to the believer is precious, lovely, for us. Now the folks in religion. It's not lovely. It's not precious. Because they add something they have to do. But for us. When we think upon that Christ did it all. It's amazing. And he did it for me. Each individual can say he did it for me. Who's in the body of Christ. No wonder he's. The fairest of 10,000 to us. He's our beloved, isn't he? He's our beloved. And the gospel to the believer, again, is precious. And if it's not, not being preached at a church, God's sheep won't attend there. They say, that's not the gospel. I was talking to Steve this week. He said one time he went to, uh, years ago, he went to church with his, his daughter. And he said, that's not the gospel. He said, I never went back. He just visited, but he said, I never went back. I had no, no, no desire to even go back. My. But we're gladly joined together, won't we, where the gospel's being preached. We, we, we gladly get together and rejoice in the fact that the gospel's going forth. And again, there's only one gospel. There's not multiple gospels. There's only one. And that's only through salvation, through Christ, in him alone, by his perfect work alone. We've even seen that in the text we've looked at today. And Song of Solomon says, in Song of Solomon 5.16, it says this, His mouth is most sweet, yea, he's altogether lovely. Speaking of our bridegroom. He's lovely to us. I ask you men, when you saw your bride walking down that aisle, oh, she's so beautiful, isn't she? Most beautiful woman in the world. Right? My, oh my. That's how Christ looks at his bride. And that's how his bride looks at, and you ladies, when you saw your husband standing up there, He's the one you're looking at. Right? My. He's, we're the bride of Christ. He's our bridegroom. He's altogether lovely. It's guys in, in Song of Solomon 5.16. His mouth is most sweet. Yea, he's altogether lovely. This is my beloved. He's my beloved. This is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. And then the scripture says, says this, we love him only because he first loved us. That's the one that really 
Makes our minds start to fizz out, doesn't it? It's not about how much we love him. It's, it's him loving us. And how long has he loved us for? How long has Christ loved us for? Before the foundation of the world. His love was set upon us before the foundation of the world. And think of all the ages that passed. We don't even know. That was an eternity. Think of how time wasn't even made until, until this earth came to being. So think about it. How many ages went past and, and he's loved us. And then time is made and, and, then, and then God himself steps into time to redeem us. Because eternity doesn't end, does it? It's, eternity's forever. <laughs> he's loved us from eternity. My goodness. Let's go back to our text. It says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, or of good report. Well, you know what? The gospel's a good report. You know, I'm just a mailman. I'm just delivering mail. This is God's report right here. It's his gospel. Now, people get mad at the mailman sometimes, and that's okay. That's okay. Just don't be mad at the one who sent it. This word comes to us. It's so precious. It's a good report. The gospel is a good report. It's the best news you're ever going to hear, ever. Paul wrote this, there's power in the gospel of God unto salvation to everyone who believes it. So Paul wrote this, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Gospel preachers are, and, and God's people, we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, are we? You're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We embrace it. We love it. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. Every believer says, Amen. Heard the word of truth and the Holy Spirit regenerated us. <laughs> it's lovely now. It's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. My, that covers everybody, doesn't it? Because the Greeks are, are um, Gentiles, which is what we are. And you know Christ died for the ungodly? You know, people say, oh, I don't like when you call me ungodly. Well, I, I, I was ungodly, and I'm still a sinner, saved by grace. But you know, Christ died for the ungodly. Scripture says this in Romans 5, 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. That was, that was us. And in Romans chapter 4, verse 5 says, But to him that worketh not, now think of this. God justifies the ungodly. Listen to this. Romans 4, verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. God justifies the ungodly. He's justified us, isn't he? Just as if we've never sinned, but we're still sinners, but we're justified. 
Those of us who are in Christ are justified. God has justified the ungodly. He's justified his people. My. And you know, Christ came to save sinners. He didn't, he didn't come to save the righteous. He didn't come to save those who, who were supposedly whole or thought they were whole. No, he came to, he came to save his people. In Matthew 9, 13, he says, But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I'm so glad he came to call sinners to repentance. I'm so glad that, that he ate with the ungodly. I'm so glad that he justifies the ungodly. Aren't you? It's wonderful. Wonderful. Let's look at our text, the last thing we'll look at here. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, of good report, good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things, virtue. If there be any virtue, well, the gospel of, of Christ is definitely a virtue. It's excellent. It's excellent. It's absolutely excellent. And, and why do we say that? Well, because Christ provides everything for the sinner. Everything that, that's needed for us to be justified, everything that's needed for us to be saved, is provided in Christ. Everything. Everything. Turn if you would to Colossians chapter 2. And you know, Paul wrote these words, and, and Word of Faith people have taken this and, and warped it when it says in Philippians chapter 4, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now the Word of Faith people say that and say, see, God will provide his people all these riches, but, but uh, oh, it's, it's, it's awful what they do. Do you know that I'm the richest man in the world and so are you in Christ? I, I'm looking at rich men and women in Christ. Richer than Bill Gates. I'm looking at them right now. <laughs> Is in spiritual blessings. In what matters. In things that are eternal. We saw that all that money Gates has couldn't buy him salvation, right? He can't be redeemed with silver and gold, and we saw in Peter. You have all the money in the world and die and go to hell. My. For what shall profit a man if she gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Nothing. There's nothing we can give in exchange for our souls. We simply rest and trust in Christ and him alone. Look at this in Colossians. You talk about excellent. You talk about complete. Look at this in Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Speaking of Christ. For in him dwell all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, look at these next words and think of this. Paul's writing to Colossian believers, right? And he doesn't say, he doesn't say, and you will be complete. Look what he writes. 
in verse 10, and ye are complete in him right now. Right now, by the mercy and grace of God, we're complete in him. Right now, it doesn't say, well, when you die. You know why it says right now? You know why it says those words? Because he finished the perfect work by the perfect man. And he finished that work perfectly. Look at that. And ye are complete in him. Right now, beloved, rejoice in that this week. We're complete in Christ right now. We're still sinners in this body. But there'll be a time when we go to glory that we won't sin anymore. But as far as our salvation in Christ and all the spiritual blessings which we have in him, we're complete in him. It's done. It's done. What a, what a place to come for assurance, eh? And then it says, which is the head of all principality and power. We're complete in him who is all power. Can he lose us? Nope. Can anything we do wrestle ourselves away from him? Nope. And ye are complete in him right now. Rejoice in that, beloved. That's a, that's a precious, precious truth. My. I actually have one more word to look at is Praise. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things, praise, if there be any praise. Do you know the gospel of Christ, the gospel of God's salvation causes us to praise him, doesn't it? Causes we who are born again to praise his mighty name. And think of this, he alone is worthy of all our praise. There's no one else in this world who's worthy of our praise. Only God and him alone. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 5. And we're finished with this. Revelation chapter 5. If there be any praise. Psalm 115.1 says, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. We're We're to praise him. Give him all the glory. In Galatians 6.14 says, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Now, look at this. Revelation chapter 5. Who's worthy of all our praise? God's worthy of all our praise. The Lord Jesus Christ, the lamb that was slain for the, for the Salvation of our souls. He alone is worthy of our praise. And look at this in Revelation 5. I love this portion of scripture. Look at this. You know, I would say that about every scripture, but this, this is really, this is something here. Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 to 14. Now we get a little glimpse into heaven here. And they sang a new song. Who's the one singing the new song? All the redeemed of the Lord. And they sang a new song saying, Thou art worthy. You're worthy, Lord, to take the book. You and you alone, Lord. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain. Who was he slain for? His people. For all those who are singing that praise song to him. And hast redeemed us to God. 
See, they know that it's Christ in him alone that's redeemed them. Saints in glory know this. By thy blood, and look at this, I love this, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Look at that. Out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld the voice of many angels. Now, here's the angels now. Round about the throne, and the beasts, and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands. You can't even number them. And what do they sing? They sing with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is the Lamb. Oh my, that's our Savior, beloved. Even the angels are singing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I say blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. That's our King. That's our Savior, beloved. And then the four beasts said, Amen. Amen. <laughs> 